What makes something real? Is it when we see it, clear as day, in tangible form right in front of us? Or do you just have to believe in it? Growing up, I've always been fascinated with the paranormal and the folklore behind it. My sister and our two best friends, Megan and Alexandra, would be huddled up on our couch for hours watching Discovery Channel's A Haunting, yes, I know, and scaring the absolute shit out of each other, telling stories of Bloody Mary or The Hook or my personal favorite, the one about the murderer who licks the hand of his victim, pretending to be her dog. The first scary movie I saw was Disturbia when I was 10, and I was scarred but totally hooked on horror films. I was so scared that after the movie, I lay awake in my bed for hours, too scared to move. I was paralyzed. At the time, I shared a room with my sister, Julia, who was two years older than me. I wanted her awake so I could have company, but knew that if I called her name or shook her awake or anything like that, she would get really mad at me. So I devised what I thought was a genius plan and grabbed a cup of water from my nightstand. I stood up and threw the cup of water on her face. My intent was to pretend like I was tripping and you know we would have a good laugh and stay up and chat and I wouldn't be scared anymore. However, she woke up yelling and confused and my dad burst in the door. I started immediately yelling about how I tripped and I fell and you know, I, it was an accident, but I could tell no one believed me, but I had to stick to my story and stuck to it for a good five years after that. Although that night terrified me, I loved the adrenaline rush from watching a scary movie or hearing a scary story that completely frightened me. I've always considered myself a believer, but I never had any paranormal experience to back it up. This past year, my cousin Jack told me a story about something strange that occurred at his home in the summer of 2016. I was instantly taken aback and drawn in at the same time because this is a house I considered a second home and have grown up visiting for holidays, summers, or spontaneous weekends. I mean, this was a beautiful house, not something you would look at and say, oh wow, that is certainly haunted. It's a big, beautiful Austin home with ivy, big trees, a beautiful patio, and a big backyard that I have countless memories in with my cousins. I had never felt anything in this house, so why had Jack, and why all these years later? Before he even told me the story, a memory came back to me about the house. When I was 10 and visiting the Davern house, my uncle took me, Julia, Jack, and my other cousins, Kate and Tessa, out back to play a game, Spot the Gargoyle. According to my uncle, the previous owners of the house had installed two steel gargoyles in the windows of the home. We walked around the property and were able to point out one in the upstairs window and one downstairs by the front of the house. At the time, we all thought it was funny, but were they there by coincidence or were they for protection? In this podcast, we'll dive into the happenings of the house on 38th Street in Austin, Texas, and what happens when the paranormal becomes a reality. Because, after all, who doesn't love a good scary story? I'm Sophie Henry, and this is Don't Open the Door. This episode was brought to you by Landing Lion. Landing Lion is a website builder where you can create web pages with total creative freedom. This means you can use a template or start completely from scratch. Create something unique to you that will help you develop a personal brand and let you tell your own story. Best of all, it can be integrated with Facebook, Google Analytics, and MailChimp, just to name a few. So visit landinglion.com to sign up for free and start telling your story. In this episode, we'll be speaking to my cousin Jack, who is 18 and now attending college in Boulder, Colorado. 
Although not born in the house, he's been living there since he was eight years old. Something you need to know about Jack is that he's one of the most truthful, kind, and calm people I know. He's never been one to exaggerate his stories or tell a story just for the sake of entertainment. So when he told me this story last year, I was completely blown away and I never had a doubt in my mind that this actually happened to him. I invite you to take a look beyond what is normal, what you can see with the naked eye and what is beyond our curiosity. This episode of Don't Open the Door starts now. All right, I'm Jack Davern. I'm 18. I live in Austin, Texas, and this is my story. Okay, so this story starts with my mom. The whole first part is not something that I personally experienced, but it's all been told to me. It relates to stuff that I experienced. So um, in 2007, I was eight. Um, my parents were having this summer pool party for like all our neighbors and their friends. And um, <clears throat> our neighbors, uh, the Garzas, came over and they brought two of their friends. And um, I have no memory of this, but, you know, we were all just hanging out at the pool. It was a normal party, you know, just relaxing summer day. And then uh, everybody leaves. And my mom runs into um, the guy that the Garzas had brought with them to the party. And uh, he just kind of walks up to her and goes like, yeah, my wife says something super weird at your house. And my mom gets very afraid of this type of stuff. So she's like, what did you see? And apparently, um, his wife had been sitting on my mom's bed, like nursing her baby. And uh, she looked out the door of the bedroom and saw this little girl in, in a striped white and gray dress with blonde hair just standing on the landing of the steps outside the door, just kind of looking at her. And I don't really know what this looks like, but she apparently just disappeared. And so my mom freaks out. Like, she's terrified. She does not want to live in a house with a ghost in it. So she calls my dad, who's currently in Singapore, and it's four in the morning. And she's just on the phone going like, the minute you get back, we're moving out. Like, we're moving out immediately. Like, I cannot live in this house. And he's like, oh, my God. Like, I can't be dealing with this at all at four in the morning. So he calls... um my best friend Henry's mom, Laura, who is a medium, I, I suppose, um, and he asks her if there's any way she can somehow sort this out, and she goes, yeah, I'll come by in the next couple of days and uh, work her through this while you're gone. So <clears throat> Laura comes over, and she tells my mom that she'll fix everything. So she makes my mom draw uh, from these angel cards, essentially, um, and if you don't know what those are, they're essentially cards, um, and each of them has a different angel on it and it kind of tells you like who your guardian angel is. Um, and so she pulls a card and it's the angel Michael. Um, and then she like, I guess she feels like she's got someone watching over and she feels safe. So she takes me and my sisters and, um, my friend and his sister out to dinner. And then we go play at the park to buy like a lot of time while Laura does this ritual. Um, so Laura comes over and I've, I've not gotten the specifics on exactly what went down at the house, but she does some kind of ritual. Um, and she apparently sees the, the spirit, the little girl, and then just, she, we come back home and she's like, it's gone. Like the house is clear. And she makes my mom draw another angel card. And this is the first really weird thing to me. She, uh, she pulls another card and it's the, another version of the angel Michael card, except in this one, he's holding a little girl's hand. Um, 
which was kind of a signal to her, like he's watching over me and her and he's going to keep everything calm in the house. So she assumes that everything's fine. And, um, 10 years pass and I'm 16 and I've not been told about any of this. Um, but I have this dream, uh, one night and it's, uh, it features me and my two best friends, Henry and Adrian. We're just sitting downstairs. Okay. So on our, we're sitting on a couch on the lower floor and on the lower floor, it's kind of a big room and there's on every single wall, there's a door. Um, on one side, there's a glass door that leads outside. On one side, there's the guest room. On one side, there's the garage. And then on one side, there's a, there's a, a study with a computer in it. And in the end of the study, there's a door that leads to a storage room, which is essentially a bomb shelter style storage room that gets completely black when the lights are off. And so we're just kind of hanging out watching TV and my mom comes downstairs and she's like, y'all can do whatever you want tonight. Just do not open the storage room door after midnight. So we say, okay. And it's 3 a.m. at some point, And my friend Adrian gets up and he decides that he wants to open the door and get something out of there. And he opens the door and just standing in the doorway is this little girl with blonde hair and a white striped, white striped white and gray dress. Just standing there. Just like the girl that the lady had seen like eight years ago on the landing outside my parents' bedroom. But she looks different now. She has like, pale white skin she her hair is really kind of ratty and just dirty and stringy she has a really wide smile from like ear to ear like toothy grin and her eyes like look like they've been pushed into her head like three inches like she has really deep eye sockets and it's a terror it looks like a skull is smiling at us like it's terrifying and the lights go out and they come back on and she's disappeared she's gone and we're just kind of looking around going, what's going on? And the lights go off again. They come back on and Adrian's gone. And it's just me and Henry now. And so me and Henry freak out. We start running away. We run up the stairs to our second floor. The lights go off again. And then they come back on and Henry's disappeared. And it's just me. And I don't know what to do. I'm just standing there. And the lights go off one more time. They come back on and her face is directly in front of my face, just smiling, looking at me. And then I wake up. So that was the scariest dream I've ever had in my entire life. So I obviously decided to go tell my mom about it. I'm like, mom, I just had this really, really messed up dream. And she's like, what happened in it? And I'm like, yeah, there was this girl, uh, this ghost girl, I guess, just standing in the doorway. And my mom gets visibly kind of scared. She's like, what did she look like? Like, describe that again. You're sure she looked like that, you know? Um, So she gets very scared again. You know, my dad has to calm her down. And this is... A couple days later, she explains to me the entire story. She tells me about the party, Laura clearing the ghost, um, all the stuff that had happened in the past with that little girl, and how nothing had happened in between then and now, except for this dream. And she kind of saw this dream as like, the ghost is back, and she's mad. Um, but it was very quiet for about a couple months, and then there was one night that I experienced something very strange. So flash forward to November. Um, we've just had a very weird night. It's a full moon. We've been driving around for a while. We just we got in a car accident with a lady that OD'd. We're driving out of a Taco Bell. So we got home, back to my house at like 4 a.m. Um, the people that are there right now, it's me and three of my friends, uh, Adrian, Jack, and Henry. And then there's two girls with us named Tristan and Jackie. And we're just sitting on our couch, like watching Days and Confused, you know, just like talking. 
and we hear three very distinctly human like claps come from the uh garage and we all go silent and i'm just kind of like that's really strange i for some reason thought that we'd woken up my dad and he was playing a prank on us by going outside and clapping three times trying to scare us so i asked my friend adrian to come out and check it out with me we look in the garage nobody's there we look outside nobody's there and we hear the rest of the crowd yell from inside so we run back in and they're all, all, all on the couch together, and they're like, we just heard those same three claps come from your hallway. And just throughout the night, we're all sitting on the couch together. We hear more claps. We hear footsteps from upstairs. We hear wind inside. Someone throws a rock at my friend Henry, and nobody admits to throwing it, which is strange. He's like calling his mom going, Jack's house is haunted, and I'm really scared, you know? And his mom's like trying to walk him through it, his mom, the medium. Um... And yeah, it was just really weird. Throughout the night, we're just hearing all these noises. And I, I've not told my mom about this because I don't want to move out of the house. But it's just very strange because it, it comes on in like bursts. Like we'll randomly hear stuff happen, you know, like a door slam or lights go on and off for no reason. And then on this one night, there was some kind of surge of activity all of a sudden. It's also really nice because I have five witnesses to the story that will always testify that Jack's house is haunted now whenever we're, I'm telling the story to somebody else. At the time, I thought it meant that uh, the, the spirit was angry or like hostile, like mad at us for trying to get rid of it. Um, but now I think that it's just kind of kind of in the house. Now we've kind of accepted each other, right? I think that it was just kind of a way of it saying like I'm still here like be aware that I'm still here because I'm not leaving but I don't think it intends to actually hurt us I think but the way that they it was kind of like um that that one night really seemed like it was trying to just scare us and kind of play a prank on us like I think it's just like it's a kid you know and we've asked all the past neighbors they're like oh yeah the kid that lives in the house you know like they they know um and I think because it's a kid it you know likes to Dude, it'll have fun kind of messing with us and scaring us. It definitely messed with me in that dream. But it, I wasn't like terrified to stay in my house. I was just like, oh, that was a scary dream. Man, that kind of shocked me for a second. So I think it's just trying to tell us that it's still here, is what the dream meant. So the only two people in this house that have seen or heard anything are me and my mom. I think that it showed itself to me and her because we both believe in it. We want to believe that this is real because it kind of gives us like a some comfort it gives me some comfort knowing that if there that ghosts are real that there's somewhere we go afterwards for sure um so i think it showed itself to me and my mom because we both want to see it we both want to believe in it and nobody else in my family does <laughs> so they've not seen anything the the idea of contacting a spirit has always kind of freaked me out until very recently so now i kind of do um now that i don't actually live here but I didn't want to somehow piss it off. You know, I didn't want to somehow make it mad. So at the time, no, I didn't. But now I kind of would like to. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Maybe with a Ouija board. Um, how, there's multiple ways to do it, I guess. But that seems like the most fun if it actually works. Which I don't know if it does. But we can find out. I, I think that she still lives in the house because um, there's no... Ever since November of 2016, like, there's been... We've done nothing to get rid of her. And there'd be no reason for her to leave. And I, I've, we've definitely heard some odd things like sounds in the night in between then and now. So I definitely think that she's still here. I think that she grew up in the house for sure because I don't know why else she'd be here if she didn't. 
Um, it's very difficult to find specific records of the house. Um, but we're working on it, I guess. But yeah, I definitely do think that she used to live in the house. Um, I believe that spirits form a kind of attachment to where they lived. So even if she didn't necessarily die here, I think that she'd want to be here. I think that she prob most likely enjoyed her time in the house, and that's why she's still here. The only thing we really did to change the house was we um, built the pool. So I'm not, I, I couldn't say yes or no for, for sure, but at the same time, a lot of, every, every single past owner that we asked knew about a kid in the house, you know? So I, I think that I, it would be very realistic that one of them would have made a major change to the house. And then she just never left. She's just like, I'm here now. And there's a bunch of new people coming in every single couple of years and they keep changing things. And I want to make sure they know that somebody who is here from the beginning is kind of cares about what they're doing. If you liked this episode, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, tell us what you liked, tell us what you didn't like. Also, if you're liking Don't Open the Door, be sure to head to our website, don'topenthedoor.squarespace.com. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Don't Open the Door. Once again, I'm Sophie Henry, and be sure to tune into our next episode.